Well, if you're taking notes tonight, tonight's message is called this, but now, but now. Everyone just shout that out, but now, but now. Well, we're in this series called Solutions, and it's basically God's solutions to man's problems. I say it every week, but man's got a lot of problems, and we got to stop looking to man's solutions to solve them. we got to start going after God's solutions, because I promise you, he's got a solution to every issue. And the reason we're in Romans is because there's a lot of different belief systems and a lot of different truths out there under one umbrella of Christianity. There are thousands upon thousands of denominations in America, and that means there's thousands of twists on what we say is one truth. I believe there is one way, there is one truth, there is one life. And if there is one truth, then we need to figure out, to me, and seek and find what that truth is, not your version or your opinion, but what does the Lord tell us the deal is about the kingdom. And when Paul wrote this letter to the Romans, he knew that his goal was to get his voice to the Romans, but he was going to be bound up in Jerusalem. He didn't know if he was going to be able to get in Rome. So when he wrote this letter, it was from a position of, I want to make sure that the full gospel of the kingdom of God gets to the people of Rome because there's a church there. I've never been there. I didn't start it, but there's a church, and I want to make sure that their theology is right, right? Not a gospel of Jesus, but a gospel of the kingdom. Because we love in the American church to talk about Jesus saves. And it's truth. And it's real. That's actually the bulk of what we're talking about tonight. But it's not a, a, a Jesus saves gospel. There is the Father, there is the Son, and there is the Holy Spirit. So to just talk about Jesus, it is not the gospel of the kingdom that he talked about. When Jesus came and preached, he only used the word church like one time. The thing he kept talking about was kingdom, kingdom, kingdom. And the great thing about a kingdom is you don't get to voice your opinion in the kingdom. You submit to the king or you out. And I love the fact that Jesus came and said, this is how my kingdom is established on the earth as it is in heaven. And Paul wrote about it. And last week we were reading about what Paul wrote to the Romans in a message that we called God Can't Lie. That God's fair. He's just. And we were talking about how law does not save you. But there was a point to the law. And I want to read the last scripture uh, to set us up for what we're talking about tonight. And it's in Romans chapter 3 verse 20. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. The purpose of the law was never to save you, but to show you. And the, the empty gospel that is preached in the church today is Jesus saves, the law no longer matters. But we're going to find out tonight, there's a reason that the law was given first. And that the fulfillment of the law was given in a separate example. It's not that the law doesn't matter. It's that the law served a purpose and it still serves a purpose. But you need to make sure that you're worshiping the lawgiver and not the law itself. 
Because when you start to worship the law itself, you become more obsessed about the practice of God than actually a relationship with God. That's why God says there's a lot of people who do great things and they'll say uh, that they believe in me and they'll go out and cast out demons and do all this good stuff, but I will say to them, I don't know you. Because you can have a relationship with law, but not the lawgiver. So Paul starts to break down this big separation that there is law and then there is a fulfillment of the law, but you can't understand fulfillment of the law unless you understand the purpose of the law. The law doesn't save you, but it does show you. What does it show you? It shows how distant you are in relationship to him. Because my scripture tells me that when my heart is immersed in a relationship with his, then I start to change. That the desires of my heart starts to change. That there's, a, that there's a continual transformation of my mind. The way I think, the way I react, the way I desire things, it starts to change and my natural gets in line with my new identity of who I am in Christ. And that new natural looks like the law. That's why he told the Gentiles, you never read it, but if you believe in me, I'll write it on your hearts. That's why you can go in tribes of the Amazon and find indigenous people worshiping Jesus and never ever read a Bible. And Christians in the U.S. worship a Bible more than they do God. We've made it an idol. That's why we have total denominations that don't believe you can hear the voice of God unless you have this open. Because this is truth. There's nothing false about it. So some of y'all like what I'm saying now. There's nothing false about it. It's true. It is an Old Testament to truth. It is a New Testament to truth. It is everything that he said. But he is not limited or bound by something that was man written. Amen. And this has become a box to a lot of people. It, and here's the thing, it wasn't that God failed with the law. Because we get this idea that God got it wrong the first time by trying to give people the law, and he got it right the second time by giving people Jesus. God didn't fail, because if you say he failed, that means you called him a liar, because he says my promises will never fail. The purpose of this was to simply reveal sin. And sin is not just you doing bad things. Sin is simply when you disobey him. Yeah. Because, see, we love to talk about how sin is lying and gossip and sexual things. But when God tells you to go and you said no. When God told you to give but you said, I can't afford. Right? Right? When God says, have faith, then do, but you said not today. Disobedience in itself is a sin. You're missing the mark of God, have your way in my life. Do what you want to do. Let my life be a glorified uh, posture of obedience for who you are. Not because I have to, but because I want to out of this relationship that I'm forming. Which brings us to chapter 3 and verse 21. But now, that's the whole title. 
Maybe we can try that again. But now, God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. As was promised in the writings of Moses and prophets long ago. But now, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets, the law pointed, the, as the law pointed to in the writings of Moses and the voice of the prophets, there is a new covenant available. Paul says, I'm not making this up. You all knew about it. You read that a new covenant was coming in the law. And you heard about a new covenant coming in the prophets. See, we think that new covenant came in New Testament. But if you actually read the Old Testament, you'll find a lot of prophecies and law written about the new covenant coming. The new covenant was not a new idea. The new covenant was something that was always expected to come. And many people are still waiting on the fulfillment of a new covenant coming. That's why people will believe in anything and everything hoping for a new and better way. This fake thing don't work in church, so let me go downtown and get healing crystals. You say you believe in the new covenant, but you're going to go get something of a fallen ground to try to take something that a redeemed Savior can do in a moment. Right? Paul says, I'm not making this up. You read about in the law. You read about it in the prophets who you recognize and you've been speaking of for years. Now, this version in verse 21 says, without keeping the requirements of the law. But some versions say this. The righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. The righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. It's not that the new covenant is only revealed in the New Testament. It's that it had to be revealed as a separate revealing. Let me read that again. The righteousness of God, the new covenant, had to be revealed apart from the law. They are two separate things, and they therefore they had to be revealed separately. And the prophet Jeremiah spoke about it. In Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 33, it says this. The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand. And people still waiting on God to take them by the hand. Can I speak to that for a moment? Old covenant. I had, to, I had to get down there and show them step by step by step and say, if, just in case you don't know I'm not God, woof, see parted. Walk. Oh, that's, that's not enough for you? There are the chariots coming. You walking now? Yeah, we walking. Right? I took them in the old covenant, took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant, though I loved them as a husband loves his wife. Even though they broke it, I loved them, says the Lord. But this, but this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my instructions on paper. 
I will put my instructions in, the, in a New Testament. I will put my instructions deep within them, and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. With my new covenant, I don't deal with the law because the law has already been presented. In my new covenant, it's a blood issue. It's a heart issue. It's an eat of my flesh issue. It's when you have a relationship with me, your heart is going to change. And the transformation of your heart, your mind, your will, your emotions, everything you are, it's going to have my name written all the way over it. Therefore, when you start to listen to your heart, surrender to God, then what you do will look like what I wrote to them hundreds of years ago. It is not that the new covenant is only revealed in the New Testament. It's the righteousness of God is revealed separately from the principle of the law. Is this okay? His righteousness made available to you is separate from law performance. Because a lot of people get law performance right. We go to church. We say the prayers. We give our tithes. We sing songs. We listen to the pastor for an over an hour. Right? We do the church stuff. We're doing all the classes. We're doing the groups. We're doing the stuff. But then for some reason, we don't see anything partnered with it in our life. Where's the protection, Lord? Where's the overflow of my cup? Well, are you having a relationship with your law performance? Or with the righteous one who has redeemed you. Because when you're having a relationship with the righteous one that redeems you, it's not God wears your protection. You realize you are protected no matter what you go through. Because here's the thing. If COVID hit someone's house, they would say, why didn't God protect me? Well, why is it that the manifestation of a disease made you doubt if God was there? It's not, why didn't God protect me? It's no matter what I go through and no matter what is put on me, I am protected. What are you protected from? You do not die when your flesh died. You died when the fallen nature of yourself was given up the moment you said, Jesus, here I am and I believe in you. You died to yourself and he said, here's a new you. Boom. Therefore, you are already died. So if you already died and you are already living, when are you going to start living in an eternal state? So it's no longer, God, protect me because it's getting hard. It's thank you for my new identity, which is always under your protection. And even though I see things differently, I walk by the faith I put in who you are, not by what I see. Because you want a manifestation of the protection instead of walking as protected. Right? We tend to shift the character of God every time something goes a little differently. And he says, no, 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 no. This thing is no longer about that. This thing is you are putting yourself up under a new identity and a new way of living. 
I've got plans for you. I've got plans for you to prosper, but you can't define what prospering means. Because what are plans for you to prosper means you growing sons and daughters in the Lord, and I view that as the greatest investment you've ever made, and the fruit of their prosper is your prosperous, but you put prosper as I want millions. I will make relentless church family prosperous. That don't mean 3,000 people in a room. That means equipping 100 people to go effect every sphere of influence that you touch. I, it is not the vision of this house to grow to thousands of people. It's to grow anyone we can touch by equipping the ones. And you can do a lot more discipleship in few than with many. Because I would rather disciple 100 people who disciple 12 and then they disciple 12 and multiplication starts and God says, that's prosperous. But the church world hasn't defined prosperous church that way. Right? Y'all with me? That is why, that's right, that's why Jeremiah dictates, I will write the law deep within those I make right because it is revealed in a separate way from righteous identity. I want my righteousness revealed. My law has already been revealed. Let me read Hebrews 9.15 again. Jesus is the one who has enacted a new covenant or for, actually, this is the first time I'm reading. I'm sorry. Jesus is the one who has enacted a new covenant with a new relationship with God so that those who accept the invitation, so that those who will accept the invitation will receive the eternal inheritance. Someone shout inheritance. That he has promised to his heirs. He died to release us from the guilt of the violations committed under the first covenant. How many believers talk about not walking in their purposes because they're guilty of what they haven't done? The whole purpose, he says, of this new covenant is to release you from the guilt of not fulfilling the old one. Because when you get imprisoned in the guilt of not doing the law right, you're in a posture of walking around a wilderness for 40 years that was a journey that should have taken nine days into a promise. God says, I need you to be released of the guilt from law performance so that your focus will simply be getting lost in who I am. Because if you get lost in who Jesus is, if you get lost in who God is, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, if you get lost in all he is, trust me, you ain't going to worry about guilt ever again. Because when you get lost in him, you find you. The you that got lost in the fall of sin. Because I guarantee the, the you that is you right now is a bit blurrier than the one that he sees and he says could you be released of your guilt so that you can find the you that I know because the you I'm talking to ain't the you that I created
Jeremiah, now some versions say this. Can you put that scripture back up there? Just leave those scriptures up there if you don't mind. Yeah, 915. Jesus is the one who was enacted. Now this is one of those scriptures where people take one verse and make a whole theology out of it. Jesus is the one who has enacted a new covenant with a new relationship so that those who accept the invitation will receive it. Now, this is a different translation, but most versions say this, those who are called. Matter of fact, I think that's the next scripture that's up, uh, Hebrews, or, or a couple, if you can throw it there, Hebrews 9.15. I think it's a New King James Version of it. It's about three or four verses, or there it is. That is why he is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people so that all who are called can receive an inheritance. All who are called. All who are called. People make a whole belief system that God has only called out certain ones. That Jesus called out certain ones who received an inheritance that he promised to be heirs. Right? Well, Jeremiah says, in the old way, I had to take them by the hand and take them out of their bondage. In the new way, all I've got to do is call out to them, Revelation, I knock at their door, and when they answer, 1 Peter chapter 2, I have no favorites. He says, I call on you, and it's your job to answer or accept the invitation. Because in the old way, there were many people that didn't believe me at all. The only one who listened was Moses, and half our conversation was, you sure? They trusted in him, claiming that he was listening to me. And I had to take them hand by hand, step by step. Old covenant. New covenant. I have given you a relationship where if you have accepted the invitation, where I have called out to you and you have answered me, you're going to receive an inheritance that I promised to you because the moment you've accepted the invitation, you have now become my called ones. I believe that, and it's not just I believe, but this is scripture, and if you want to argue with me, welcome to your loss. But the scripture says very plainly, we are all predestined for a purpose. He has laid out every step in front of us. But I guarantee you, your life has not walked in every step. Because just because he has laid out predetermined steps, does not mean that you are puppeted into walking what he planned for you to do. Because he says, I've never appointed you for wrath. I've never appointed you for death. I have appointed you to walk victoriously with me. I have appointed you for life and life more abundantly. So, in the fall of man, you can choose to walk into my predestined path or you can choose to walk by your own way. And at moments in time, I have taken those that have not listened to me by the hand and pulled them out, giving them chance after chance. But now, 
I'm not just going to take you by the hand and do it for you. I'm going to give you a relationship where if you will seek me in the relationship, everything is written on your heart. That's not just the law. It's who you are. So if you seek me, you'll find me. And in finding me, you find you. And when you find you, you figure out what steps are yours and what steps ain't. That is why Jesus says, I have fulfilled the old. It's not that the old was bad. It's that it is a separate revealing of the me that fulfills my first revealing. First Jews, then Gentiles. First law, then righteousness. I have invited everyone to the table. And the moment you accept the invitation, then you walk in a promised identity of my called out ones. It's not that a few were called out. It's who will accept the invitation to become those identified as called out. Does that make sense? God didn't create a bunch of people and said, let me display how good I am and how bad I am. Y'all going to hell, y'all going to heaven. That's not how he did it. He said, I have created all of you, and here is my covenant, and you can walk in it, or you don't have to. But the moment you accept the invitation, you walk into the identity of my called out ones. 1 Peter 2.9, but you are not like that for you're a chosen people. You're a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness and into his wonder, wonderful light. Now that you are his called out ones, you can reveal him to the world. Called out. You're holy. You're separate. You're consecrated. He says, when you accept the invitation of my new covenant, then you become a called out people. You're a holy people. You're a consecrated for a purpose type of people. You're a separate type of people. The problem is in America and the world is that the people who call them set apart ain't set apart for nothing. The church looks just like the world and sometimes the world looks better than the church. Now that you're called out, reveal him. You become holy as my called out ones because I didn't have to take you by the hand this time. I called you, you accepted. I'll go ahead, give you a new identity as called out because that is your predestined purpose. And when you accept my calling as called out, then you start to walk in a new idea of who you were supposed to be. You might not get it all right. And you may have got it all wrong. But now, accept this new covenant. Because when you accept this new covenant that you don't have to get law to get to, then your life will start to look called out, will start to look like the law because you've accepted an invitation into a whole, whole new way of thinking, into a whole new way of living, into a whole new posture of relationship. That's why we see in the later letters in the New Testament that even John says, you will, you will be able to know who are believers and who are not. Well, you can't judge someone's belief. Yes, the heck I can. 
Don't tell me you believe in Jesus and your best friends are, are well, I'm not, never mind. Let me just, y'all, y'all can fill in the blanks. When you spend more time in darkness than pulling things out of darkness, right? When who Jesus is is like glimpses of light and not light shattering darkness, None of us are perfect. None of us will ever be perfect. But there has to be a striving of God, I want you. And out of that strife, not out of let me get it right. Out of my abiding in him, Lord, have what more of me do you want? Lord, let me talk to you. Out of that, you start to do things differently. It's a law governed by God himself. What does law mean? If you obey it, it'll happen. What is the new law? Answer my invitation and you get who you are. And those who have truly answered the invitation start to see who they are, not because of let me get the Ten Commandments right, but because in relationship, for some reason, people are going, do you know the Ten Commandments? Why? Because you're doing all the, oh, I didn't know. It's a natural reaction. It's a natural new person. And what does the church do? Hey, I want to serve. Well, what do you do in your personal life? Who are your best friends? What is your job? Do you got a tattoo? Do you not have a tattoo? Have you been married? Have you been divorced? What do you not get about not the law? Because I know people who are totally opposite of the Levitical priesthood that are more holy than the priests who put Jesus on the cross. Yeah, some, y'all, y'all, some of y'all didn't like that. I can't. And looking back at Hebrew 9.15, just like the old covenant has promises. Because remember, we talked about that. The old covenant had promises. Well, Just like that, the new covenant has promises. Look at Hebrews 9.15 again. That is why he is the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people so that all who are called can receive an eternal inheritance of God has promised them. There is an eternal inheritance promised to all that accept their identity. To which all have an invitation to. The problem is, if you define eternal as when you die, you've missed out on a big portion of your inheritance. The inheritance of heaven, the inheritance of a son or daughter in the kingdom, does not begin when you get into the heavenly courts. When you start to understand who you are, then you start to walk in a heavenly court on earth as it is in heaven. And when you start to walk in the heaven on earth, then you start to walk in a predestined purpose that you didn't see, which is now available in a new covenant called the promise of your inheritance that the law kept you from. What does inheritance mean? I've got plans, I've got purpose. I know your strengths. I know your weaknesses. Get lost in me. 
so that you can get lost. Because there's a you that you don't know. And you know what the problem of pride is? This is the issue with pride. It blocks your vision from who you truly are because you fall in love with a fallen idea of yourself. Well, I just can't do that. Well, you don't know who I is. I say that stuff all the time. I'm just not like that. And then the Lord's like, excuse me? Right? I can't do this. You don't know what you can't or can't do because you need to tap into what your inheritance is, not what this embrace fallen thing is. And if the people of God could get that, well, Lord, what's our inheritance? Show us, show us, reveal it. And that's the problem with church. We get in all of these prayer gatherings. And we come to all of these revivals, which is just three-day events trying to grow your church. We come. Mm-hmm. And we, we all and we just say, Lord, show us, show us, show us, show us. And then walk away. Well, hopefully, Lord, one day will show us. Right? And God's like, if you'll get lost in who I am. If you understand who you are, what you're asking for will be revealed in a transformed life. And when two or more transformed lives come together. (laughs) Why, Why is it that 12 disciples changed the course of history? Because their lives were completely changed by the time it, was, it, was, it came time to start a true ecclesia of Jesus. What is ecclesia? A meeting of governors. We're going to manage this thing how Jesus told us to, not like those religious people did. Because you can get the circumcision and you can get the, the pork or the not pork and you can get the no tattoos or the earrings and you can get the hair and not the hair. But when it comes down to it, there are many people who get the law right that don't know how to manage nothing under the kingdom of God. So he says, Jews and Gentiles, I don't care what your practices is, get lost to me so that I can show you what you're called to do. Because I think it's important to remember too, we don't need to judge and just tell people well you too religious it's not the practice it's the worship of the practice like do we call freedom contemporary music because I guarantee you there's free people who sing the most traditional stuff more freer than people in this room it's not style we got to get out of that junk too. It's not, it's not about that. It's about, Lord, I want to get lost in who you are. And that's why there's different houses. Because some houses look different. And that's okay. But what can't look different is the truth. And that's why he's talking to the Jews and the Gentiles. A new eternity begins the moment you're called right, holy, and called. You were once lost, but now 
You're found. Seek me and tap into an inheritance wrapped up in predestined steps that you've yet to walk in. Verse 22. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. This is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Just keep that up there. You don't become called out by keeping a good report with the law. You become called out by faith in Jesus. But here's the problem with that statement that many people don't get. It's not I have faith that I'm right. It's not that I have faith that I'm called out. It's I have faith that Jesus is my Savior. He is my Redeemer. He is my Messiah. And through Him, I'm called out. Because a lot of people have faith that they're right because they look at their law report. We say it all the time. God knows I'm a good person. I'm a good person at heart. Well, according to my Bible... If I can't see that you ain't a good person, there's a disconnect. Because a relationship produces fruit and you rotten. And he called to redeem the rotten thing and give life to it because you stanky and you, mm. Right? Thank you. Stank. We're gonna, that's going to be a drink at the coffee shop. The stank frappe. A lot of people have faith that they're right by their law report instead of having faith through him. And this is true no matter who we are. There is no other way to obtain the status that's called out as holy as separated. There is no other way than Jesus, you are my Lord. Faith in the Savior makes you right. And everyone who believes in this truth, you're made right, but now you are right. And if that's true, you should reveal his goodness as a new natural. And that is identified as, oh, you're called out. Not let's go find the predetermined called out ones. No. Let's find those who have answered an invitation into the identity of I'm separated. I am called out. I am holy. All have sinned, verse 23 through 24, for all have sinned, all. And we say that, but it's funny how we hold certain people into an accountability of thinking that they can't sin. Right? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. If all sin, then all get the offer. Well, I don't believe that all were predetermined for heaven. All you sin, all you get the offer. Because he's just and he's fair. And the offer is open through faith. What offer? God freely made you right. And the verse says... He justified you, and he redeemed you. Justified by his grace for the redeeming that is Christ Jesus. Those are two different terms. Justification is a legal term for court. He says, I took care of the penalty. Death, right? 
And that's where a lot of people stop. I'm justified. I'm good. I can go live how I want because I'm justified. He justified you and he redeemed you. What is redemption? It was actually a term in the slave trade. And if you were released from slavery, you were called redeemed. I've justified your penalty and have released you from the chains that you were in that put you in the courts of judgment. I have justified you so there's no penalty. Now walk in a redeemed nature that you're no longer a slave to the things that you claim are too strong for you to get out of. You're not a slave to your addiction. You're not a slave to your depression. You're not a slave to the, to, to, to the broken law record that you have broken many a time. That's where religion comes in. Well, you didn't get it all right. You've sinned here. You've sinned here. I'm not a slave to that anymore. Because, But now... I'm in a new covenant, and no matter what happened then, he sees me as new, and when slash if I mess up now, he says, you have a free offer of repentance. Not I'm sorry 55 times for the same thing, but repentance and in that repentance, that thing you messed up in, I'll throw it away in the old files. And I will not remember. So if you're justified from a penalty and you're redeemed from a slave trade, you can't be predestined for death. Because he came to take care of all of the lie of it. Death no longer has an authority. But many of us walk into death traps because we speak it over our lives. You know, oh, I got the authority now. I'm in a new covenant with Jesus. The job's going to kill me. Why did you just give that authority? If you say you got the authority in Jesus and you just spoke that job's going to get the best of me, why are you cursing your ground? Right? No, no. I, 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 I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to crush the head of the serpent. When the enemy was speaking to Jesus, I got you. Get, get behind me. Right? He never came into agreement with the beat up. He never came into a suggestion with the beat up. And he says, in this new covenant, I've given you the ability to do the same exact thing. And it's free. You don't have to get your law record right for three weeks before you ask me. It's free. It wasn't free before, but now. <laughs> but now, it's free. You can't purchase this with works, and you can't earn it. Just believe in the one who did. And, here, and here's the thing. That word freely, it comes from a Greek word, Dorian, and it means something very deep, truly free. But here's why, I mean, that was sarcastic, free means free. But it's really free. But here's the thing, 
That word, truly free, is the same word used in, in, the, in, in the English cause in this verse, John 15, 25. This fulfilled what's written in the scripture, they hated me without cause. In other words, I was free from cause, but they still hated me. I was totally, I was Dorian. I was totally free from any of the accusations they made, but they still made them and they still hated me. In other words, Jesus was hated without deserving, freely hated, and you were redeemed without deserving, freely justified. You see, the same thing had to happen to him so that you could get the fruit of the price. Verse 25. Whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness. Because in his forbearance, his foreknowledge, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. That word propitiation means a sacrifice of atonement. Atonement means the pardoning of or the forgiving of. Propitiation is a sacrifice to gain you forgiveness. And it doesn't just say propitiation of anything. It says you get propitiation by what? His blood. In the blood of Jesus is found the necessary sacrifice for your atonement. In the blood of Jesus is found the necessary sacrifice to pardon you of all your stuff. Your sins were pardoned, not because of law, but because of that legal propitiation was made as a sacrifice on earth, and it resulted of an eternal life as it is in heaven. And in that moment, your chains broke from the slave trade called the fallen man. But why do you walk, still walk in the slave trade when I freed you out of it? That word propitiation was the same word in the Old Testament as mercy seat. The mercy seat was the lid that covered the Ark of the Covenant. You know what was in the Ark of the Covenant? The presence, yes, but what was in it? The presence of God. That's why it was in the, the holy of holies in the temple that no one could ever enter into except the high priest, right? The mercy seat was the lid that covered the Ark of the Covenant, and on the lid, when the high priest would come in once a year on behalf of everyone's sins, he would sprinkle blood from a lamb representing the atonement or the forgiving of all y'all stuff on the thing that covered the presence of God. So Jesus fulfilled that law. Same process. He says, I am your high priest. I am the mercy seat. I am the lamb and I've got the blood. I am the fulfillment 
of all that was needed and what was under that was released to us every day. The presence of God. And you take that so casually. I became everything that I revealed to you. What was the law? Last week we read, I revealed the whole revelation of myself in the law to the Jew first. Everything that I am is represented in that law. And I didn't get to get out of it. I had to become the priest. I had to become the mercy seat. I had to become the lamb. And I had to give my blood. Just so you could become the whole flipping temple that they spent hours upon hours building so that you could host the presence that was under a mercy seat. And now that you host it, you walk like that? Well, maybe then, but now you need to walk in a different way if you're truly in this new covenant called a free relationship with the God of heaven and earth. And it says, I passed over all these sins previously committed, but he wasn't just talking about your sins. Look at verse 26. Is this okay? Look at verse 26. He was looking ahead and including them in what would he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. He wasn't just talking about the called out ones now. He was talking about the ones that walked with him even before Jesus came to the earth. He said, in my foreknowledge, I'm so just that those who sought relationship with me have been. I was looking ahead and I included them in what I would do in this present time to demonstrate my righteousness because I'm fair and I'm just. And I make all sinners right when they believe in who I am. Their sins became passed over in a moment that I pay for them too because even their sacrifice did not save them. It was the law that guided them to be seekers, and some saw it, but some just worshiped law above me. Why? Why does Paul bring that up? He says, because I'm fair and I'm just. Faith in Jesus, access. I mean, I mean think about it. We, we think everyone in the Old Testament is in hell now? When, when God called David a man after his own heart? It's explained right here in Romans 3.26. Verse 27. Well, can we boast then that, we've done, that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No. Our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It's based on faith. Grace refuses to recognize your earning. And grace does not allow you to live how you want. Grace is how you get access to which you never deserve prior to it. Grace does not allow you to live like hell because you're saved and that he has acquitted your sins. Grace says, even if you got all this right, you have never been able to access anything under the mercy seat. But now, let me show you what my grace can do for you. And it came at a time where God was silent for about 300 years after Malachi. 
No one was talking to them. No, the people weren't seeking them. And all of a sudden, let me show you how, how good I really am. Verse 28. Last, almost getting to the end. So we're made right with God through faith, not by obeying the law. After all this, God is God the God of Jews only? Isn't he also the God of the Gentiles? Of course he is. There's only, one, there's only one God, and he makes people right with himself only by faith, whether they're Jews or Gentiles. Now, at this point, you may be thinking, isn't this a little exhausting? Because we get it. Grace, law, and works doesn't save you. It's only by faith. We get it. But then you have the people who are going to say, well, what about what James talked about? Because you keep telling me, Kyle, about and what Paul said about no law, no law, relationship, relationship, no law, nothing we can do can save us. It's all by faith. But James paints a little bit of a different picture. In James 2, starting in verse 14, it says this. I think it's important to bring this up before we close this message. Well, what good is it, dear brothers, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can't that kind of faith save anybody? Suppose you see a brother or a sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm, eat well. But we do that all the time. You need prayer? Yeah, well, I'll be praying for you. Right? But then you don't give the person food or clothing? What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Well, that seems contrary, right? No, watch, watch what he says. Faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, faith is dead and useless. Why? Because you probably didn't have faith in him. You had faith that doing the law made you right. Because if you were truly made right by faith in him, you would have pursued him that would have created a relationship that would have produced the evidence thereof that James was talking about. Now, someone may argue, verse 18, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I'll show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe that. Do you have faith? I believe in God, so does Satan. He knows him very well. He knows that God created him. He knows, he knows who God is. I, I have faith. I know Jesus. So do demons. Big flipping deal. And they tremble in terror at God, and you walk around treating like God as a piggy bank. And when God walks into a, with, a room with demons, they run. When God walks into a room with you, you sit down, you cross your legs, and you put your arms in here, and you just go... Right? When, when God walks into a room, demons can't stay in the same place. But the God that you say you know, when he says to do, it's so easy to say no. Do you truly know who he is? Because if we had a full revelation and scope of who God is, it would be really difficult to have a life of no. 
It would be really difficult to come to church and not have a good attitude. Right? I'm not trying to puff up. I know they won't take it this way, but I, I can see a evidence of a relationship in this family right here because if, well, this, this is not too good for me, but if I went through that, I don't know if my first response would be, thank you, Lord. Right? I would like to think maybe it is now, but four years ago, definitely not. Nope. Maybe even two years ago. Maybe even yesterday. But like the, the way we do reflects a relationship we're immersed in. We're going to get to this in Romans chapter 6, but Romans chapter 6 talks about baptism. And there's people that believe if you don't get baptized, you don't go to heaven. It ain't talking about water. If you think water saves you, if you've been baptized six or seven times by a man who don't deserve the pulpit, you're good. Sorry. It ain't about the water. It's about what baptism means. Immersed in him. Right? You say you have faith for you believe that there's one God good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see faith without good deeds is useless? Don't you remember our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions work together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happens just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God. God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so is faith without good works. Because true faith has a distinct character. Faith is not agreeing with the facts. This is what faith is. Let me direct my mind and direct my will toward agreement with the one I know. And it's hard to direct your heart and your mind toward the one you know when you don't know him. I knew about Jesus, but now, in a genuine relationship, I will direct everything that is in me and about me into agreement with who he is. Not who I am and not what the situation says. But I'm going to direct agreement toward the one I know. And if you don't know him, you don't know where to, you don't know where to direct agreement to. And that's why people are lost. They're lost about what do I agree with. Think about the world we live in. We don't, the world has come into agreement that we can let, we can't let an eight-year-old drive, but they can pick their gender. Right? 
And I could go on and on and on, but the point is, all that comes down to one root, no one knows what to agree with. And if the church would start actually directing our agreement with the one we claim we know, they would start to see a city on a hill where they say, let's start directing our agreement toward that's light. All my beliefs that I thought were going to work out, it looks dim compared to what I see going on right there. We beat up and, well, you agree with that, you agree with that. They, they're... Bring light to darkness, knowledge to ignorance. They don't know what to agree with. So why are you condemning someone that's already condemning themselves? I saw a post today. I almost said something, but I didn't. And some of you may, you're going, you're going to think you're not going to agree with this at first, but I saw just a post today that said, well, if you chose to have a full-term abortion, then the woman should have a hysterectomy so they can never choose again. I'm thinking, have you lied? Because if you have, can we cut your tongue out? Because we're so quick to point out they're obvious. And a lot of it's obvious because they just don't know what to agree with. Do I agree with life or do I agree with death? I don't know. Let's look at the root. Let's not look at what they're doing. They don't know what to agree with, people. No one knows where do I direct my faith in. Well, let's get deep and lost in the one that we claim we know so that they can see the people that know to where to direct our mind, our will, our emotions, our agreement, including in how I view myself. Now, I, I am good enough because that's how he views me. I am beautiful. That's how he views me. I am strong. That's how he views me. Right? And verse 31. Well then, if we emphasize faith, does this mean that we can forget about the law? Of course not. In fact, only when we have faith that we truly fulfill the law. The law pointed toward the need to be justified. So in the kingdom, the law was established and fulfilled in the prediction set forth by the law. The law guided you into a truth of a separate revealing that but now you're made right and you'll look like the law that guided you into the revealing of the new covenant. All he's had planned for you is now made accessible for an inheritance that starts now. So I'm going to walk by faith, not by sight. How do I do that? I'm directing my agreement with who I know. How do I know it's him? Get to know him. You see, everyone overcomplicates this thing. I had someone ask me the other day, they said, how are you so offensive but your church is growing? And I said, because um, I'm not growing it. You see, we, we, we've got to stop trying to overcomplicate this. How does the body of Christ grow? Get lost in them. You can save a $300 fee for a conference of just getting lost in them. How do I get delivered? Get lost in them. How do I get free? Get lost in them. 
Yeah, but I've done all this. But now, get lost in them. He's, he's made it available. Let's, let's just start running into what's so free. Our relationship with God Almighty. He is that good. And I say, there's a lot that's happened up till now. But now, in 2021, I'm not going to declare that this is the worst year or the hardest year. I'm going to go into agreement that the best is yet to come. I'm going to go into agreement that my king is returning. And the promise of his return makes tomorrow the most anticipated tomorrow that's ever been. Amen. So let's walk toward that. Amen. Let's stand. Come on. Can we give God praise tonight?